I was almost 16 the first time my grandmother died. It was mid-October. Warm still, like summer, but the trees were wearing their scarlets and golds. Back home in Seattle we had evergreens and faded browns. Those absurdly vivid colors along the banks of the Severn River were the first thing I fell in love with. Autumn, the way it was intended. It's hard now to remember that first day. Like looking at a photo underwater, the image shifting, in motion, never quite in focus. But there's a part of me that doesn't forget. And it's important to tap into that part, to will myself to remember. Sometimes, if I really concentrate, the memories come flooding back, all of them, beginning to end, then back again to the beginning, a full circle. It started at the funeral. We were standing on the hill just west of the house, inside an iron fence filled with tombstones. Everyone in my grandmother's family had been buried in that graveyard, all the way back to the first immigrants. Grandma had picked out a plot for herself when she was still a little girl, which gives you some idea about my grandmother's family and their morbid obsessions. It was one of the few conversations I'd had with my grandmother that I actually remembered. I was nearly six at the time. She told me about her chosen resting place and then said cheerfully, One day you'll be buried there too. I'd burst into tears. Ten years later, I found myself clustered with a few dozen strangers on the exact spot Grandma had described to me, beneath the living half of a skeletal tree blasted by catastrophe long ago. The new slab of marble that stood in its shade, waiting to be moved into place, read simply, Ida Warren McGinnis, at long last reunited. We stood in ranks beside the open grave like starlings on an electric wire, listening to the priest remind us there was indeed a time for everything under the sun. One old woman dabbed at her eyes with a handkerchief, sniffing loudly. The rest of the group seemed frozen, including my mother. Dad tried to take her hand at one point, but she pretended not to see. Her eyes were focused on something in the distance. Sammy, my five-year-old brother, was playing hide-and-seek among the headstones, humming the same six notes he always did, and I thought fleetingly of joining him. I guess that sounds like I didn't have proper respect for the dead, but I'd hardly known my grandmother. I could count the number of times she'd visited us on one hand, and we'd never been to see her here. My mother had always treated Grandma more like a distant acquaintance than a family member, so it was a little hard for me to get caught up in the proceedings. I felt bad that I didn't feel bad. Up the hill a bit, apart from the group, there appeared to be a father-son pair, both blonde, bronzed, and sculpted, in matching black suits. I noticed a few of the other mourners covertly pointing them out to one another, and I wondered who they were. Closer by, on the other side of the rectangular hole punched neatly in the ground, my grandmother's nurse, Rose Valois, stood with her teenaged grandson, he a full head taller than she. They were the only two dark faces in a crowd of pretty much uniform, wrinkled, pasty white. When I glanced at them, the boy looked away, like he'd been caught staring. My cheeks flushed. I tugged self-consciously at the suitcase-rumpled black sweater my best friend Jessie had lent me to wear over an old white blouse. 
Everything I had on was mismatched and ill-fitting, humiliating enough in front of my grandmother's friends, but it sure would have been nice if my mother had warned me a couple of guys my age might be attending. Mrs. Valois's grandson glanced back at me. His eyebrows lifted. Now I was the one who was staring. I forced my attention elsewhere, beyond the fenced-in cemetery, to the fields baked golden, the trees lifting their heads above the bluff from their places along the banks of the river, the distant house crouched behind the thick border of gardens. Waiting, I thought, and shivered involuntarily.